Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your kindness and your loving mercy. Throughout it, um, we wouldn't be here. Um, we, we wouldn't have anything to look forward to if it were not from, for the, the, the kindness, the mercy, and the goodness of our God and our Savior. So I praise God for that. Turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Acts chapter 8. We're continuing our series here in the book of Acts. And this morning we're going to talk about being authentic. And what's interesting about this the social media culture that we're in, I understand we've got different segments. Some of you are uh, immersed in, in social media and some of you are not. I think there's pluses and minuses to each of those things. But when it comes to authenticity, that's something that we lack on social media. And in fact, I think it's just a microcosm of what we see in the world. We tend to walk around with these masks on, especially if we're Christian. But that's not the way it should be. We walk around as if everything is is going well in our lives. And you hear this in our normal conversations, don't we? When you see somebody and you say, hey, how are you doing? What's the response? Fine. Is it really fine? Is it really? I think back to when I was a kid and uh, with with my grandmother. Um, She was definitely authentic. If you asked her how she was doing, she was going to tell you in minute details how she was doing. And, and at, at some point I'm thinking, oh, maybe I just shouldn't have asked because I, I didn't want to know all this. <laughs> well, I, you know, I had my arthritis start uh, acting up this week and, and my hip and my, all these things are going on and I slept wrong in my neck. And <laughs> can you say fine like everybody else? But she couldn't. She, she wanted to be authentic, and I asked a question, and most people, we, sh- we should be asking the question with some concern or some thought, or we actually want to know how that person is doing. But now it just becomes something that we say. How are you doing? But we don't really want to know. So I've tried myself, you know, I, I don't go into to severe detail, but you ask me how I'm doing, I'm going to try to tell you. Well, it depends on my mood, too. Sometimes I'm not really intentional, always intentional about that. And uh, I got to think about how I'm doing before I answer. But what would that look like, right? If we actually cared to hear how somebody is doing, then we actually were going to be authentic and share. On social media, we we just put out the greatest pictures of the things that we uh, are excited about or things that are going on in our lives. And we put together this portfolio of our ideal state, but it's not actually who we are. It's It's not actually authentic to what it is that we're doing and how our lives are going. And I say, even Christians do this because it's a lot worse because we're masking the testimony of Jesus Christ by not being authentic. People outside of Christendom think that, well, all these so-called Christians have their lives together. There's nothing that goes wrong. Their, their lives are perfect, or at least they try to portray it to be. And then we see uh, people that uh, are, are, are in the news because they've had some struggle or they've fallen in some way. Like, see, there's our hypocritical Christians again. 
They claim to be one thing and they want themselves to look as if their life is perfect, but they're doing as much dirt as I am. Why do I want to follow a God like that? This morning we'll see kind of example of both sides of the coin, what authenticity looks like and then what it should not look like. So hopefully you can discern the difference so that we can live out our Christ likeness and be authentic. This takes place after the murder of Stephen that we talked about last week. And we see the believers, they're scattering from Jerusalem. And despite this persecution, the church continues to grow. We bemoan these days about how things are going and how Christians are being persecuted or is not acceptable in these days. But if you look from a biblical standpoint, the church flourished in persecution. When people were coming at the Christians, when people were trying to stop them from growing is when they grew the most. Why? Because they were authentic because they authentically followed Christ and there was nothing that they would do otherwise. This is something that we should, should, we should learn from these days. There's nothing that would stop these folks from proclaiming the name of Jesus. Nothing, even in the face of death. And nobody's really trying to kill us these days, not here in Bolingbrook anyway. So we should be that much more proclaiming the name of Christ. God continues to redeem his people to himself here in our text in every nation, in every tribe, in every tongue. So this morning we'll see how this gospel spreads. Look with me in chapter 8 of the book of Acts. We'll start in verse 4. Here God's word reads, Now those who were scattered went, to, went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them Christ. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in the city. For weeks, as I've stood here and proclaimed God's word, I have asked you, I have urged you to share the gospel, share Jesus, even just talk about him with one person in your life during that week. I'm pleading with everybody here in the room, and I've been doing this for the past several weeks since we started the book of Acts, just tell one person about Jesus and who he is. As a Christian, we are called to share the gospel. As your pastor, I don't have uh, any, any more responsibility in that endeavor than you do. I'm just as accountable as you are to share the gospel. It's not only my job, it's all of our jobs. If you are a follower of Christ, if you are a disciple of Christ, this is our role. This is why we're here. This is what we are meant to do. Here we see the apostles. They stayed in Jerusalem, and we have people who are scattered. And every place that they went, every single place, they went and proclaimed the good news. They went and shared the gospel. One of, the, one of these people was Philip, who was the first missionary that we see named in Scripture. You know, last week we talked about how Stephen embodies the Christ-likeness. And in the same way, Philip, sh Philip shows us how it looks like to be a missionary. 
He shows us what it looks like to, to start in one place and then to be scattered and go and share to a different nation, a different tribe, a different tongue, right? Much like we saw. If, if you weren't here last evening or last Sunday evening to see Manuel Sanchez, who is um, going to missionary to the Dominican Republic to take the gospel, the good news there, um, there's a link. Go, go to our YouTube page and be sure to watch that. And so that we could be praying for Manuel and his family as he goes to share. Um, there's 3.4 million people um, uh, w- still with a dire need of hearing the gospel, hearing the good news to become uh, like Christ. And so Manuel, just like uh, following the foots of Philip, is going to go and make sure that that is happening, that is taking place. And Philip shows us what it looks like to be a missionary. Leading other people to Christ requires us to be ready. It requires us to be unafraid. And it, it requires us to be able to use God's word and be filled by the Holy Spirit. So if you're not in the word, if you're not reading the text, no wonder you don't want to share the good news because you don't know it. No wonder you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. No wonder you're not confident because you're not filling yourself with the things that you need. You're not spending time uh, getting to know our, our Lord and Savior so that you can go and confidently talk about him. We spend time with our friends and family. We can go talk about oh, how great they are and they graduated, they got this good job or just had a new baby and all these things are going on in your life and you know that because you have a relationship with them. But we're shy to talk about Christ because we don't spend enough time with him getting to know him. Man, we need to turn that around. Leading other people to Christ requires us to be ready it requires us to be unafraid. And when you, when, you put the, when you pit the power of Jesus Christ against the power of Satan, there's no contest. This is why we feel bombarded by the world and everything that's coming at us and we feel like we can't do anything and we're just downtrodden. There's, there's no hope because we need to put the power of Christ against the power of Satan. Matthew 16 says, Jesus will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We don't, act, we don't live like we act like we believe this. Acts 4 and 12, uh, if we go back and remember this, it says, and there is salvation in no one else for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. Man, that should be, that's exciting. That, that should be something that draws us and motivates us to share the good news because there is no other name under heaven. You can look at a lot of different things. You can try a lot of different things, but nothing is going to fill the empty space in your heart and your soul like the name of Jesus. Look with me in verse nine. So we're going through they're talking about Philip and he's, he's, all the miraculous things that is happening. Then verse 9 says, but there was a man named Simon so, uh, who had previously practiced magic in the city and, and amazed the people of Samaria, saying he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and in the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. 
And after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. This magic that is being referred to that Simon is doing is a mixture of uh, science and superstition. This superstition includes astrology, divination, and occult practices. If we go back to Deuteronomy 18, we see that um, God's people are told not to imitate anything like this. When they were going to the, the land of Canaan, they were specifically told, hey, don't do what they're doing over here. Remember who your God is. Don't take on these other things, these things like sacrificing children in fire. That was a thing. They say, hey, don't do that. God's people don't do this. Witchcraft that tries to interpret omens, soothsaying or attempting to predict or control the future through the power of evil spirits, telling the future based on signs, sorcery uh, induced by the effects of drugs or potions, conjuring spells, being a medium or one who supposedly communicates with the dead, but actually communicates with demons calling up the dead, investigating and seeking information from the dead. It's, it's very clear there's more than this, but it says God's people are not to do this. Don't mess around. Don't even be around this stuff. This is what God's people ought to do. Don't adopt these measures. Moses urged God's people to stay away from these things. But yet here in the New Testament, years and years and years later, we find them doing exactly what they were not supposed to do. And you, if you think that is amazing, even here today, we have people that think it's okay to subject themselves to these things. I mean, you can drive down the street and, and see um, the, the palm readers and all this other kind of stuff, the, the tarot card readers, and like they just set up shop, people go, and like, oh, I want to ask questions, I want to see what they're going to say. If you're a follower of Christ, stay away from that. This is not for us to do. We shouldn't be playing with these demonic practices. And it is demonic. Now, Simon claimed to be one with God, but he was actually one of the first uh, what we call Gnostics. Now, Gnostics are folks that say they have some personal or, or spiritual knowledge above what is found in Scripture. And we, should, we can just stop there. Somebody that says or claims that they know more than what's in Scripture. They, 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 they think that they have more than what the Orthodox teaching and traditions show. I, I've been told as, as I'm, I've been learning to preach and taking different classes and things of the nature, what's been told to me is like, if you think you found a new revelation that nobody else has seen before, you, you might want to read the text again. It's probably heresy. If you like, oh, I just found this and it's a new revelation to me and everybody needs to know about it. But for years and years throughout church history, from the very beginning, if nobody has said that thing, then you're the one that's probably wrong. God has revealed everything that he has, wants to reveal. And there's, there's things in here that we don't understand. And hopefully one day we will. But I, I tell you what, once we get to heaven, I don't think we'll care that much as we follow Christ, as we continue to be with him. Gnostics even today think they can find a deeper truth apart from God. Proverbs 1 and 7 says, The fear of the Lord 
is the beginning of knowledge. But check this out. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The Bible is very clear. If you want to eschew uh, the, the church history, the knowledge, instruction, people say, well, I'm just going to sit with my Bible and I don't need anybody else around. I'm just going to read it and it's going to be good. God is going to reveal it. God has placed a body of believers here for a reason so that we can encourage one another. We can help uh, to, to walk alongside and instruct one another. If you, if you go into this book by yourself and just showcase, put, your, put the thing around your body and let nobody else in, you're, you're going to get into heresy because your understanding is limited. And that's why God put a body of believers around us so that we would not fall into this. Instead of searching our corrupt, fall, flawed selves, we should be testing everything against what God has actually revealed in his word. So if you hear somebody that says, well, I got this new revelation. God spoke to me and me only. And this is what he said. What should you do? You, well, run. Yes. I like that. Yeah, run first. And then run to your Bible. Open up God's word. And it's like, ah. But the word says, but you say, so which should I believe? Do I believe what God said or believe what you, you said God said he said? <laughs> huh. Test everything. First Thessalonians 5 and 21. Test every, everything and hold fast to what is good. And let me tell you, what's good is in, in the scripture. In the end, only God's truth can be trusted. And I'm not going to get into rel relative truth. People are talking about this today. Well, that's your truth, and this is my truth, and it's okay that you believe that. Look, truth is truth. It's binary. It's, it's a one or zero. I'm, a, I'm sorry. I'm an IT guy. When you talk, when you break everything down and all the code, it's just ones and zeros. It's binary. It's yes or no. It's either true or it's not. It's not that hard. Why are we trying to make it so hard? Like, oh, that's, that's your truth, and it's okay. No. Truth is truth. And it might be hard for you to believe and swallow. Frankly, you know, when I read the Bible, there's some, there's some things that I don't understand. There's some things I'm like, I'm not sure I, I want to agree with that, but God said it. It sounds harsh to me, but that's what God said. Ultimately, I need to submit to God's word and his truth, and we all should take that stance. Verse 13 might throw you for a loop because it says, even Simon himself believed. However, if you, we continue to read, we'll see that his belief was motivated by selfishness and was not actually genuine belief. So we need to be careful. It just is like when we, when we see or hear these people, like I got this new revelation that call themselves Christians. You can call yourself anything you want to. But if it doesn't align with the scripture, it is not true. You are not a Christian if you do not follow the Christ who is revealed within these texts. Simon was caught up in the moment in excitement. He saw all the stuff going on and people being healed and, and all this stuff happening and, and people getting up and, and walking and praising God. He's like, I want in on that. Like, remember, this guy, he was a magician. Everybody looked at him and trusted him. Everybody was amazed by the feats he was able to do. And he sees this, this guy, Philip, come out of nowhere. He's like, oh, he got some different tricks. 
I wonder how I can uh, I can get in on that. Maybe he can show me what's going on and I can, you know, bolster my bank account over here by by incorporating these things. He saw this as a way to gain power like what he thought Philip possessed. He's like, well, Philip can do it. He can give it to me. But he didn't understand where Philip got his power. He didn't understand the name that Philip proclaimed. So he wanted to buddy up with Philip and bolster his own status. He wanted to learn those new tricks. Look with me in verse 14. It says, now, when the apostle of, uh, at Jerusalem heard that uh, Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them to Peter and John, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Here is interesting there that the apostles came because we don't really see this this happening uh, when the earlier in the apostles they're they're preaching and proclaiming christ and people came to believe the holy spirit descended instantly but here is, is something a little bit different as philip is proclaiming christ people are coming to to coming to uh join the fold and then uh peter and john come and they come kind of to verify and they come to, to kind of see what is going on. And so when they came and laid hands on these new converts and they received the Holy Spirit. Luke here is really emphasizing the, the, the importance of church unity. Because if you remember, the, the, like the Samaritans, right? People didn't really like the Samaritans, the Jews especially. And you remember Jesus uh, uh, talking about this and the, the good Samaritan and all those things. We, we know a lot about the Samaritans and people just wanted to stay away. And so the likelihood was that, well, no, that, you know, those, this is not for the Samaritan people. That those people, nah, nah, they can't be genuine. There's no way that the Holy Spirit, no way that they would receive Christ because we don't like those folks. So in order to combat that, look at how God works. <laughs> in order to combat that, he says that everybody knows and trusts these apostles to come and to verify so they can maintain the unity of the church. Man, I wish we would go a little further in, in being able to maintain our unity, to go above and beyond and outdo one another in what is honorable. Peter and John come to affirm the work of, that Philip is doing as he um, uh, begins to gain more experience in dealing with new converts so that they will be accepted into the family of Christ. Look at uh, verse 18. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying of hands of, on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. <laughs> well, well, I'm surely going to learn these tricks. Just give you a little cash and see if we can figure this out. He's saying, give me this power also so that anyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you can attain the gift of God with money. You, neither, uh, you have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the extent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come to me. This man, Simon, 
this guy thinks he's slick. Like, well, maybe I can't really join the club. I can't really figure out what's going on. Let, let me let me drop you a couple dollars. You know, you know, help a brother out. Show me how I can get this Holy Spirit, and I can be laying hands too. Because, I mean, whatever I'm going to give to you, I'm going to double, triple, quadruple in my bank account. So, so help me out. Let me see. He was thinking he could turn a prophet if he were able to do what he saw Philip and, and John and Peter do. He thought that the Holy Spirit was a force to be manipulated instead of a divine person that we should be in submission to. Man, uh, how often do we do this? How often do we treat God, the Holy Spirit, as if they're a magic genie? We have a bad habit sometimes of waiting until the last minute. Uh, We're in a bind. We're challenged with something. Things aren't going the way that we think we should. We try to do it ourselves and and try to make it fit and force it. Like, well, that didn't work. Well, let me try this Holy Spirit thing. (laughs) For real? We try to manipulate the Holy Spirit to do what it is uh, that we want according to our will instead of bending ourselves to his will. Who do you think you are? The God that spoke in the universe left into existence. You're going to control him? (laughs) Try if you might. Try if you might. However, if we're in submission to him and in living according to the purpose that he has before us, it will be a whole different story. It will be a whole different thing if we are running to Scripture and living as if we believe what is said in here and we're doing our best and everything that we could do. But no, we want to be fake. No, we want to just put things on and act like we got it together. We can do it ourselves and keep falling on our face time after time after time. It's amazing that we do this. Brothers and sisters, when we live authentically for Christ, our lives must be gospel-centered. I love how we look in Scripture, and we've seen this all through the book of Acts. We will continue to see this. As the apostles, as the disciples, as the missionaries are talking to people, as they're doing these wonders, these miraculous things that are taking place, they always take the focus from themselves and place it on Christ. And it's not the fake humbleness that we see nowadays. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, no, it's not me. It's the Lord. No, no. It wasn't that. It's like, no, get the focus off of me. I, I didn't do any of this stuff. It is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about my Lord and Savior. This is how we ought to be. This is how we ought to be going and telling the people about Jesus Christ. It's, it's easy at that point. Now, people are asking, look, so how do you live the life that you live? How are you able to do the things that you're able to do? How are you not frustrated with all the things that are happening in this world? It's because of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for me. Can I tell you about him? It's that easy. But people are probably coming to you and asking those questions because you're not being authentic. If you pay special attention, you'll see that the apostles, they always divert their attention away from themselves and they spotlight Jesus. If we think a year from now, with the people closest to you, the people that God has placed within your midst, 
would they be transformed by the gospel because of your testimony? Will your life exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in such a way that your life is being transformed by the gospel as well? And because your life is being transformed, that the people will come to you and ask these questions? Do they see you acting, being different than everybody else that they come into contact with, that they're so curious, like, what's going on with you? Like, how, how do you have this type of hope? How, how are you able to love them when they did that thing to you? Now, please don't confuse this with being perfect. It's a far greater testimony when the chips are down and people see that you are running to the Savior through faith. When things are not going your way and they see you on your knees in prayer, when they see you opening up the Scripture, think about how great that testimony is. And it's not like social media when you only, uh, the only time that you post is when things are going well. I'm sure you know these people, uh, the people in relationships, and like, well, it must be doing really good because like, oh, me and my bae are going out to, to dinner, have a date night. My best friend here, I love them so much, but then when they don't post for a few weeks or a few months, you're like, well, they must not be doing too well anymore. Huh? These are the things that we need to be thinking about when we think about authenticity. When we live authentically, we need to be sincere. And sincerity is central to the hope that we find in Christ. If you claim to be a Christian, how can people trust him if they don't trust you? People are looking at us. Well, he spent all his time in church, and, or she claimed to be a woman of prayer, but look at what they were doing. They're, they're doing the same things that, that I'm doing or doing worse. I, I don't want to, uh, what kind of God is that that they serve? What cracks me up is when I watch a music or a movie award show, and the winner comes up and thanks God while they're accepting the reward. While the, the thing that they're actually doing, it might be a raunchy movie or some raunchy music uh, or a, a music song or a video or whatever they've done. And but the first thing that they do is, thank, you think God is in that? That, that? that doesn't compute for me. Is that, that cannot be authentic. How are you going to thank God on one side and have this, this raunchy thing that you're doing for all the world to see? What kind of testimony is that? How does that work? How, how do you even think to do a thing like that? But we might not be accepting awards in front of millions of people, but here we are claiming that we're Christian and not living a life that Christ has called us to. We are not authentically, sincerely living as if the way Christ has called us to. It's okay that we don't have all the answers and we won't be perfect this side of heaven, but we need to continue to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. 
People should see this in us. Say, Nancy's not the same person she used to be. Something happened over the past few years. She's changed. And I love being around her now because she's so encouraging. She's so loving. I don't, I wonder what took place. I wonder what happened. Matthew used to do all these things with us and he used to be game for going out with us and, and doing all this, but now he doesn't do it. I wonder why. He doesn't like us anymore. What's going on? He's changed. Let me leave you what, what Paul says in his letter to the Philippians. Paul 3 and 12 says, not that I've already attained this or and that I'm already perfect, but I press on. I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Just a break from here. We spend too much time in the past. The things that we, we, we have done and, and the, the, the dirt that we did, the people that we've hung out with, the things that we said, and we don't press forward. We don't think about what Christ has done for us, that even despite, and remember, this is from Paul, and he did some dirt. He's like, hey, I, I don't consider all that. I'm going to strain forward to what lies ahead. And in verse 14, it says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what I want for all of us, to press forward toward the goal. Yeah, we, we, we did some bad stuff. I'm going to talk to for myself. You, you guys are better than I am. We did some bad stuff in the past. But Jesus Christ came into my life, and he took me up, and he changed me. He gave his life for me. Knowing what I would do, knowing that I would stray away, he still died for me on the cross. He died for you on the cross. He paid your penalty. What you rightly deserve is death, but he took it on your behalf. Knowing that you would stray away, knowing that you would not live up to what he called you to. He gave up his life for you. He conquered death and the grave and now sits at the right hand of the Father. And even still, while we can't do right apart from him, he prays for us when we don't even know how to pray. We don't know what to pray for. He is praying for you right now, every moment of every day. And there's no thing that is too big. There's no way that you've gone too far that is not covered by the blood of Jesus. And he just calls you to accept this free gift that's available to you. To live your life for him. It's, it's far better than living on your own. It's far better than trying to do it for yourself. When you live in God's purpose for you and your life, there will be a, a drastic difference, a drastic change. And this, this is when you can have joy in the good times and in the bad. Paul also says, I know what it means to be content. I know what it means to be high and what it, be, what it means to be low. But in all things, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you so much 
that we can look to you. Help us, Lord, to be authentic. Help us, Lord, to to spend our time in Scripture getting to know you, spend our time with you in prayer, spending time with your people that can help us see the error in our ways so that we can live our lives for you. Help us to be transformed in such a way that people would see what's going on and happening. People that uh, don't yet know you, that you would live through us and that we will be a walking, talking testimony for what Christ has done for us in our lives. And people might come to us with a question of what must I do to be saved? Give us courage to be able to proclaim your good news and and, and what you've done in our own lives and what is available to those who have yet to hear it. Father, we thank you so much for loving us in this way. It's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.